All right, I'm gonna try and do this. Center myself. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're not helping. <laughs> well, no, you just did the whole like the like the the actual the actor thing, and I thought that was just like uh, something they made up for the movies, but I was wrong. I'm oh gonna do it now too, and then you can feel free to laugh at me. Wait, no, wait, we're wait, not ready. Wait, no, yeah, yeah, it can make it official. Whoa, oh, what is actually happening? Can can we please do the thing now? <laughs> no, hold on, that's gonna beat the entire show. Okay, you're fine. And then it's gonna bother you when you're like. It's gonna like, be a editing. metronome. Okay. It's our metronome. No. All right. That's fine. All right. You're rolling. Hello and welcome to Huzzah, a D&D podcast about D&D beyond the rules. Uh, all the things you need for D&D and for roleplay besides the rules and the dice. We also want to teach new players how to play. We want to entertain some old players. Basically, thanks for being here. We hope you like the show. Huzzah! Huzzah! The Ark Druid has not returned from the Dream Forest. Rumors of dark magics are running wild in the village of Treestone, and the town guard are on full alert. Down the road, a caravan containing new adventurers approaches. and I'm going to be playing Alora Starflower, a high elf druid. And I am Jeff, and I am the wonderful DM who uh, gets to run Alora through all everything that comes out of my brain. So we're just going to have a lot of fun, and we're also going to have some actual discussion about D&D before we get into actual gameplay. So um, first, we do have to thank our wonderful producer uh joseph the marvelous joseph yes um who has uh recruited us to come on and help out uh and do this podcast for bookshop media if you are interested in any podcast bookshop media is your one-stop shop for podcasting you can hit them up on patreon Mm -hmm. uh, patreon.com slash bookshop media they are also on facebook so um, as bookshop media as facebook. bookshop media on facebook so check them out uh also their twitter joseph says nah not the twitter but i'm like hey your twitter's pretty fun man so i'm gonna put it out there and then we have to thank our sponsor for the season our so cool sponsor d20 inspirations which is just rpg themed candles and you say just like it's I, but i mean until i had met tyler who did all of this fabulousness i didn't even know stuff like this existed yeah it, it is amazing amazing stuff and uh, i've actually had non-gamer friends and family who just want the candles because they smell amazing 
as a sponsor, he has given us some to give away throughout the season, so we'll talk about that a little bit later. Well, do we want to talk more about his actual stuff, or do we want yeah. to talk about well, his stuff? Yeah, well, we are actually, we have Tyler on for the first episode, so Tyler, would you say hi to the wonderful folks? Hi, everybody. I'm so, Tyler. Yeah, so uh, Tyler, D20 uh, Inspirations, first of all, tell us what it is and what you really do. D20 Inspiration is kind of a mood-setting RPG kind of thing, but it doesn't really focus so much on D&D itself as it is everything else around for player immersion. Mm-hmm. So we do things like candles that are based off of characters. We do spell candles, coasters, wax melts, soap, and we've got some new stuff coming out. That is... It's going to be pretty exciting, more for the DM and less for the players. I, I, the mystery. I do know I have had my D20 for a couple months, and on my monthly game, that is kind of the signal that the game is actually starting as we light that puppy up and it's gotten deep enough now where the numbers are glowing it just keeps as, looking as, cooler as it burns and i was like this is amazing <laughs> so like it looks cool yeah. when you first get that's it. my favorite part of the d20s that you could see through them yeah. as they burn and and i gotta say that the pillar bases you did were incredible because they're pages out of the player's handbook correct? uh yeah those um it's out of a 3.5 player's handbook <laughs> that just adds to the theme i think so I know we're really excited, and we're so thankful that you gave us some stuff to actually give away to listeners. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, of course. And you get to play in the very first session of this game, so we'll get introduced to your character a little bit later. First, being the first episode and seeing as how you two had to both create characters thought we'd have a just a small discussion uh, about character creation and Tyler you have the unique perspective like me you have both been a player and a DM in D&D for a very long time whereas Jocelyn's just been a player so we can all yep. talk about different views that we've had through character creation outside of just what Wizards of the Coast recommends in the player's handbook Tyler I'd, I'd start with you and just say what is your philosophy when you create a character what, what, what's your mindset well, to be honest with you, I have never read the Player's Handbook. What? I've also never read cool. the Dungeon Master's Guide oh, for wow. character creation. Dude. I own them both, and the Dungeon <laughs> Master's Guide, I don't think I've ever reopened it. Okay. So when I make a character, I just think of what I want to be. So not necessarily what a good adventuring party needs or what would be the most optimized mid-max character. And that really draws me mostly to bards. I play a lot of bards because they're cool and they have a lot of flavor and not a whole lot of damage, which is fine with me. I don't really focus on that. I just focus more on the role play, really. So I've got all the role play skills. I get a cool instrument, two instruments, three instruments, as many instruments as you could possibly carry, and I can play them whenever. And I like that aspect of it. So I think of the character... And I think of their background. I like to start with the background. So my current character, um, when I'm not DMing, is from somewhere in the Feywild. That's the most I came up with for that. And I thought, okay, Feywild, elves, why isn't he in the Feywild anymore? And I kind of go from there. Okay. I've started as as the DM... I started challenging players to think more about their background of their character before they even consider a class or, you know, yeah, I can say you can go ahead and pick a race, but let's think about your background first. And then we can pick a class that fits that background a little bit more to add a little more to the flavor of it. 
I just think it, it helps with the immersion when it comes to actual role play because if you have a fighter, but the background doesn't explain why he's a fighter, it yeah. just doesn't work. And I will say, I'm tagging on to you, I got to play my first bard uh, a couple weeks ago. and It was pretty great. I w- I'm hooked. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. I let everybody else worry about the damage. I just get to go do some fun stuff and have a lot of fun with it. And it was it was incredible and i'm like i can't wait to play him again the first time i really didn't have to think what am i going to contribute in combat i don't have to worry about that <laughs> i just because i i coming off of a, a long-term paladin where i had to be a stout in combat so it was very nice to play something that was a little different all right jocelyn you come from the player's perspective only mm-hmm. saying so, you have now created Several characters, I think. Uh, yeah, like less than ten, but I don't know how many exactly. Okay, let's let's. Uh, so, what what's the first thing you think about when you're creating a character? Like for my very first character, I think it was a little different than for all the rest of my characters. Mm-hmm. Um, for my very first character, it was just like, what would I like? Kind of like Tyler said, what would I what would I really really want to be? And I'm like, well, I like I like elves, but I was reading through like the player's handbook because I was trying to be I don't know a good little little D and D player. So reading through it and. It's like, well, I kind of want to be an elf, but they're like really snooty and stuck up. But I don't want to be a human because they can't see in the dark, <laughs> which, by the way, is kind of more of a biatch than you would imagine. Yeah. Um, no, like you walk into a cave and all the rest of your party's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we got. To, oh, man, look at that thing in the corner. And you as a human are like, uh, guys, I see nothing, nothing at all. So, um, but yeah, so my first character, it was basically I just picked what exactly I wanted to be. And then after that, it's just kind of been trying different things. It's like, well, I haven't been that yet, so I'll do that. Yeah. And now, yeah, you've you've grown up a lot. And I say a lot. We've only been actually playing D&D for just over a year now, the two of us. Mm. So No, uh, it's been more. Well, no, I guess so. Uh, it was Dragon Con, not uh, last year, but the year before. It was yeah. our first game. And then last February is when we actually got into a full campaign. So That's true. It's been really fun to see you grow. Now, what advice do you have for people who are picking it up for the first time? I don't know. I think maybe thinking about, uh, like, especially if you've played video games before or something, and you know kind of the, like, the classes, I feel like, between D&D and video games are really similar. Like, if you're a ranger or, like, so if you know that you like to run in there and just beat stuff, then kind of go with uh, more of a tank. Or if you like to be farther, like I know that I don't do well with that. I like being a ranged character. I like being out of the fight and just kind of shooting things. I guess, so I guess to make that actual advice, um, just pick things that you know what you like to do and then ask your DM like, hey, I really like to do it this way. And then your DM can be like, well, I would totally be a half elf ranger or whatever. My biggest thing is don't be afraid to steal ideas. Steal from movies, video games, books. If you've seen a character that you really like and you think that would be fun, steal it. There's no rules against it in D&D. My advice for character creation is mostly don't think about how to be the best at what you could potentially be, mm. but how to be the best thing that you want to be. Yeah. So not necessarily like, well, should I take a maul or a greatsword or a battle axe or a greatsword because what does the most damage? Think like, well, if I was doing the damage, would I rather swing a giant axe or a giant sword? Mm-hmm. Right. I wanted to also pick Tyler's brain because he is a DM. We're, and we'll get more into the session zero in a minute. But for DMs who are guiding players through character creation, what are some of the pitfalls you've seen, Tyler? One of the, I know this is going to sound awful, but one of the pitfalls for me is when somebody comes in and has their entire character already made. 
and they say like this is my backstory and this is everything i want to do and they didn't ask me at all about anything because my world is not the world you came up with it's the world i came up with and (laughs) now i have to help you change it yeah and you're not going to like that because you spent a lot of time working on it you picked your cities and you said well i'm from here where all the orcs live and i say well there's no orcs there so i don't know where your work came from there but you could come from here and they said well i really want to be from here because i want to be a wood orc well, there's no blood orcs. <laughs> Those don't exist. Those don't exist in this space time. That that would that would definitely throw me for a loop if someone came in assuming they knew everything about my world and we hadn't actually sat down to talk about my world yet. So maybe uh, just have more of a general idea and then come to you and be like, hey, I would kind of like to be this thing. Right. And then you could maybe tinker with it. And, and yeah, that's good with me. I also have had people um, in my campaign now, we've come up with characters when they got there. And yeah. we went through it together because my campaign isn't in any Dungeons & Dragons world. It's in World of Warcraft, Azeroth. So nice. a lot of people know about that. So they show up and then I tell them everything they need to know. That's... And then they make their character from there, which I like a lot because I like to know everything about the characters. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I do encourage a true Session Zero for everybody and... We'll probably have an episode totally dedicated to Session Zero in a, in a few episodes because I got a couple of guys who are really, really good at that. My biggest pitfall that I run into is, and I'm super guilty of this, is not being willing to say no. As a DM, you have to be willing to say no to your players and tell them that just doesn't work. And I think in my first campaign, I didn't say no enough. And we have some characters who are, I've had to adjust encounters to make sure that they're still being challenged. And that's one of my biggest things as a DM is you just have to say no at character creation at times and say, Mm. you can't do that. That's just not going to work. I don't know that I have a real pitfall as just a player. Well, I guess maybe kind of like Tyler was saying, like if you I didn't personally experience this because I just had no idea what I was doing at all. But like if you go in with this like hard and fast idea, this is exactly what I'm going to do. And it may or may not work with the world or the other characters in your group. So I guess, yeah, pitfall for a player character would be just getting, like, really, really attached to something before you kind of know how it's going to mesh with everything else. Another pitfall for a player is just not asking questions of the DM. Yeah. You have to talk to your DM routinely as throughout the process. And so uh, while we're on the topic, let's just talk about Session Zero for a second. For those who are not aware of what a Session Zero is, it is pretty much the very first time your group meets together to discuss, A, the campaign that you're about to go into, and like Tyler said, a lot of times it's to actually create the characters that you're going to be playing. I've actually got one coming up very soon for a campaign that I'm going to actually be playing in. And I haven't actually even put anything on paper as far as my character is concerned. Just just talk about Session Zeros for a few minutes because I think that's such an important thing in communication with the DM. Oh, yeah. Well, I know that when we first started, we were like, Fooey, session zero. We don't need this session zero. And I think part of it was because, well, like we were really, really excited to get into D and D. We just wanted to like jump right into it. Mm-hmm. And then another part was we had just started playing D and D, and our DM had also just started, just literally jumped in with both feet. He's like, "Skip this playing business. I want to be a DM." So he's a DM. He's a very good DM, by the way. But we started our first campaign with no session zero, and mm-hmm. then like later, I got involved in another campaign, and we had a session zero. And I was like, you can start without a session zero, but I really, really enjoyed having a session zero because I had more of an idea of what I was getting into and Mm -hmm. kind of how I would mesh with the group and where my spot would be and that kind of stuff. 
My my current campaign, we didn't really have a session zero. Mm-hmm. I guess it was kind of like a session zero point five, okay. because it um, it built off of another campaign we were in. So everybody was already really familiar with it. So I just sent them all the world's longest text message, and I <laughs> felt horrible about making them read it all about the setting that they were in, um, and then they made up their stuff from there. They're all pretty experienced D&D players, so it wasn't super necessary to say, look, here's the rules, and here's what I expect of you guys, because I already kind of knew what they were going to do, and they they sent me their character ideas. And then when we all finally got together, it was kind of just an adventure where we introduced the characters as they played. So it wasn't we sat around and said, what character do you want to be? What do you want to be? What do you want to be? How does that work together? They kind of built on it as we played. And then everything at once kind of came together and they all got thrown into this new adventure. So their session zero was more of like a lead in adventure and not so much a let's all sit around and just talk. Yeah. And for my first campaign as a DM, I didn't really do a session zero. And the problem was we had a party that may have too many things going on with it. And so my big thing with session zero is it gets a, the players and the DM together to discuss the world, but it also gets the players together to discuss their characters together because they can discuss what kind of characters they're bringing to the table, and they can also discuss their backstory, which ties back to what we were talking about before. Is backstory is more important in character creation than I think anything else. Um, yeah, some of my characters discussed it together, and they interlocked their backstories, so they came to this new town together. So that was good because they kind of just went ahead and did all that yeah, already. Yeah. That's what I've done in uh, some campaigns that I've run. The characters, we can discuss, how do you guys know each other? Are you guys coming into the campaign together? Are we meeting in episode one? Which you guys are actually, your characters are actually going to meet in today's episode as opposed to you guys don't know each other before today. And, And I think backstory, like, it's the easiest thing to kind of skip, like, oh, I'll fill that in later. But it really is important because, um... Like, it informs kind of how your character is going to act and stuff. Like, it's, I feel like when I first started, I was like, oh, backstory. You know, I kind of have a backstory. It's fine. I don't really need it. But the more and more you go on, the deeper mm-hmm. you get into the campaign, the more important your backstory becomes because oh, yeah. it drives where you're going and everything. And and I think the deeper your backstory is, the more immersion can happen because your DM can actually play with that backstory right. and bring in hooks that are going, hey, I wrote this specifically for your character. Here's a gift to the player. So, final thoughts on character creation. Okay. Well, my final thought is just kind of, I'm going to piggyback off of the last thing you guys said mm-hmm. about the backgrounds. Don't, don't stress super hard about making your background because you can, you can fill it in later. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that you've never watched a really good movie that was like, here's everything about this person's entire life right now, and the next hour and 30 minutes is just what's happening right now. You learn stuff as you go, too. That's true. Very true. For my character in the campaign that I play in, I am constantly updating my backstory and adding new stuff. Not in a way that's like, I've changed my whole life. It's kind of the way, <laughs> yeah. like, here's more details about it. Like, so my nice. father was a druid, and that's why I take a lot of bardic magic secrets that are from the druid list because right. i'm part druid i guess so, you, so i add in stuff like that as i go yeah you're just filling, you you're have filling to in have the, it all done you're filling in the right. blanks of the background you're not necessarily altering it you're just saying hey there were gaps that i didn't fill in but here's some of what's going well, on in those right and it can get deeper like i found something will happen just organically in a session like you know this person like you find out like this person really loves 
I don't know, books or something. And it, like, that's just something that kind of was a recurring theme in this particular session. And you can be like, oh, well, it's because, you know, my mother was a librarian or like, you know, you can kind of keep tacking on mm -hmm. based on stuff that happens to you or with you in the campaign. My big thing is don't stress the numbers during character creation. Numbers are, it's, it's just telling you what, where your character is good at and mad. But the main thing about role playing is this character's got much more than just numbers on a page. It's a, you know, he's got history and he's just met some friends usually. And now you guys are getting ready to embark on an adventure together. And you're, you're there to tell a story. Numbers don't tell the story. The players do. That's very true. So final words on character creation. Um, I know some people will tell you like, do not do it in an app. You absolutely have to create your character only on paper with a pen, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, there is no shame in using an app. Like I found for me, it was, as a new player, it was much easier to put it into the app because the app asked me all the questions that I didn't know how, to, like I didn't even know that was a thing yet. I didn't know what questions to ask in order to make this character. And then as time went on, I could get deeper into the, like, I don't know why I have this modifier so I could go look it up. But anyway, don't let people like, you know, make you feel bad for using something that's maybe not like original or, or right. whatever. I think there are so many tools out there to help you with the numbers. They said where I would rather my players spend the energy is and actually developing a character that they are really excited about playing. Yeah. So if you have this really cool idea for a story about a player, a character, let me know. And we'll work that and then we can work the numbers later. All right. So let's meet your characters that are going into this campaign. I will tell you this is really my first major homebrew that I have personally written. So yes, exciting. it's super exciting for me. Uh, I, there are no uh, Wizards of the Coast books around for me. This is all coming out of my head. So the brains. you guys could totally mess me up and decide not to do anything. And then I would be really sad, but we could just look at each other, Tyler, and be like, um, nope, we're going to bounce. We don't like this town. Um, Man, those woods look nice. Let's just go there. How's the fishing in the area? Oh, look, a moose. We should totally ride a moose. That being said, uh, I will tell you, you guys are on the road together uh, onto the village of Tristo. Tristo is the home of the High Druid College. There is a major ceremony come, uh, approaching, which you are both interested in. And, Sweet. Personally uh, invested, if you will. Let's meet our characters. Then we will take a slight break so I can refill my water, and we will get into it. Jocelyn, mm -hmm. who are you playing? What What is your character? And give me a little brief history of her. Because okay. I know you actually you, you wrote a huge backstory it for her. It was not huge. It's like three sentences. It's more uh, than I've written. <laughs> Huge, ginormous, an entire tome, if you will, of three sentences. Okay, uh, so I'm playing Alora Starflower. She is a female high elf druid. She is from, uh, she grew up in an isolated druidic village in the forest on a mountain, apparently. I liked living there and I enjoyed my studies, but I discovered an isolated glade that has, uh, I don't know, it's bad. I don't know why it's bad, but I know that bad stuff is going to come out of this particular glade. And so I'm going to college in this town to learn, well, just to learn stuff that you would learn at college, but more specifically to try to figure out on on the sly some information about this uh, disastrous looking grove. Cool. And Tyler, what do we got from you? I am Ianan, a high elf fighter 
I am from a nearby major city. My family was kind of like a like a middling level noble family, kind of I guess more new money, if you will. So I nice. Um, he kind of thinks everyone's beneath him, as a lot of people who get very wealthy quickly do, and they think, yeah, I'm just better than you. But his whole family has been um, in kind of a nightly service, kind of a guard kind of thing. So he joined the guards like everybody else does, just so he can be one of the family. So you do your guard duty, you come back, you take over the household, and then your kids do the exact same thing forever and ever. And it's a long forever because we're all elves. That's right. (laughs) Oh, no. I didn't think about how intense a forever in an elf household would be. But yeah, it's a long time. Tyler, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we kind of like maybe didn't cover or about character creation? We can because we have a chance uh, to kind of talk about it while we segue. Yeah, we could talk about like um, character, like inspirations for characters, because not everybody can sit down and just say, this is what I want. But I thought someone could be like, I want to be Legolas. I am not ashamed to steal from books and movies. Or a Ninja Turtle, because you can do that now. My current character in the Curse of Stride campaign I actually get to play in is he is totally a witch hunter. He is absolutely 100% witch hunter, because Chad let me play a blood hunter. I don't know if he's going to keep letting me play it or if he's going to make me change in the near future, because... No, got... Chad literally looked at him in the last session and was like, oh, dude, we're going to have to nerf that. <laughs> Well, mainly because I can cast Elders Blast and then take a swing with my sword at the same time. So, mm. let's talk about um, just inspiration for characters. Um, where do you draw um, your inspirations, or where do you encourage people to draw inspirations? And we will start with Tyler um, because this is a this is a fun topic. You know, just where do you pull inspirations for your characters, Tyler? I'll talk about the most. I guess the most memorable character that I've made. So we were doing a a one shot for Christmas, which um, if you don't know, is you just do a whole story at one time and you make a special character for it. And I made John Cena into a character. And it was glorious. So what I thought of is I was like, man, who do I love? And the first thing that came to mind was John Cena. (laughs) Not your wife or anything. John Cena. um, No, John Cena. And... (laughs) Actually, um, one of my friends, my contact picture on their phone is John Cena. Um, <laughs> for, or for me, my contact picture on their phone is John Cena. And I really um, don't know anything about wrestling or boxing. I just strongly identify with John Cena, I guess. <laughs> so I was thinking, like, well, John Cena gets angry, so he rages. So I picked a barbarian. I was like, but John Cena also wrestles like a monk. So I went with a, a multi-class um, of monk and barbarian. Okay. And that's really where it started. He tackles people, pins them to the ground, does his John Cena finishing moves. And somebody else knew a lot more about than I did. So he was telling me about them as we played. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> and I like that you wound up carrying a regular size human around for most of the campaign. Yeah, just being like, I yes, tiny around, man. Um, a guy, I think he was supposed to be James Bond. Oh, and yeah. he oh, played yeah. my theme song. With the horn. Oh, yeah, he was a bard. He was a bard. <laughs> yeah, one of my here it is. Um, one of my proficiencies was with the horn, so I gave him the horn and was like, "Play my theme song, Tiny Man." <laughs> that was awesome. You can pull inspiration from anything and everything. I have. Um, I know I have pulled actually from totally different game systems. I pulled character concepts from 
uh, in the current Curse of Strahd campaign, I'm getting to play, you know, what is essentially a witch hunter from Warhammer, which is another fantasy setting. But they probably have some of the... It's just this super inquisitor fighter who pretty much anybody he believes is his enemy, he pretty much punishes with the extreme prejudice, which I am finding a really fun coming from spending you know the past year playing a holy character who is all about preserving life now i get to be this chaotic character who is doing whatever he wants for the good and i don't think it was necessarily the preserving life that you got tired of it was the fact that you're trying to preserve life in barovia which is basically transylvania and is populated with just vampires everywhere that's true that's true It, it was it was just it was so frustrating because you think you're doing the right thing, then it turns around and you've you in the butt. handed the village over to somebody who's just who's worse than the person who was in charge before. And you're like, well, OK, what's the point? A uh, bit of a sidebar. I think one of my favorite moments for that particular character that you're talking about was like, OK, so his good guy character, like his super hardcore good guy character was like, all right, well, we're going to make sure that someone's ruling this town when we leave it so that it doesn't fall into decay and terribleness. OK, this woman. Yes, she looks great. And then we find out that she is actually, like, the chief bad guy. The chief bad guy's name is Strahd. He's, like, um, what's his name? Vlad. Dracula. Dracula, thank you. Uh, He's, like, basically Dracula. So she is, like, one of his right-hand people. And we're like, ah, poop. (laughs) And and then later, we circle back around. His good guy character has died, and he's started his new character, who's all, you know, the witch hunter dude. Oh, yeah. We come back to this town, and that witch hunter character gets to just, like, punch that woman into the ground like you are a bad bad person well he punched her in the ground because she tried to cheat him out of his money yeah i didn't care about like the he, good guy stuff he, just, you, <gasps> he was willing to sell you guys down the river but we don't know that yet <laughs> i just pull inspiration from wherever i want whether it's a book a movie video games wherever i if i find a character type that i like i'm gonna make that character into D D. sweet so for my the very first character that I made, who happens to still be my main character, she is a half-elf ranger. And I think, to be honest, I went with the half-elf ranger because that, I played uh, something like that in, was it World of Warcraft? Uh, um, maybe. It was like the first massive game. multiplayer online game that you got me to play. And it was basically the first time I had done actually kind of well at a video game. And I'm like, a ranger. Apparently, I can do a ranger. Okay, I'm going to be a ranger, guys. And that's, that's basically where my inspiration came from. Hey, I know Tyler has already mentioned his most memorable character. John Cena. Jocelyn, do you have a most memorable character or a memorable character moment? So aside from my main character, to whom I am quite attached, I still like her a lot. But I have a few sort of like other characters I've played now. And I think so far my favorite is this barbarian that I just created. Her name is Hen Punch-A-Face. But when uh, her party members are trying to be like fancy, she is Hen Punch-A-Face. And uh, like she made a, a pretty solid discovery. Like we were, we're running through this room trying to find a bad guy. She has not much in the smarts department. But she does apparently like to pick up things and play with them. And so she did. That's how we discovered one of these magical swords that was trying to attack us before it could ambush us. So I was like, ha ha, was a pretty great moment. The most memorable character I've seen is Alon, first of six. Atheist in a bag, proficient in the sack. Various other titles that I don't yeah. remember. So he, he's designed this. It, it is a fighter who is not the smartest or wisest, but he's made it his mission to accumulate titles. That's all he cares about is accumulating titles for this character. So the title now is almost a paragraph long. And 
anytime he meets somebody new, he has to introduce himself by the full title. And it has become just this huge running joke. Players have even brought him props to go with him. He, somebody brought him a burlap sack because in the very first session he played in, he was determined to get a cloak, and he bought a burlap sack as a cloak. And it has just been amazing running joke so far. And he's the only one. He doesn't realize it's a burlap sack. Like, his entire party knows, but he just doesn't. He, no. His character is not big in the smarts department either, so he doesn't know it's a burlap sack. And is just one of the, my favorite characters to ever DM for. So, um, now we've kind of covered our basis on character creation. We are going to transition into the game, but first we have to talk about the contest. Ooh, the contest. It's so cool. Yeah, so um, D20 Inspirations has been generous enough to give us some candles to give away, and today we are giving away a spell candle with the scent of shillelagh. Thank you, Tyler. In dedication to Alora to enter. It's very simple. You go onto iTunes and uh, you go rate us, review us. Yeah, uh, five stars would be really awesome. It will probably help your chances of winning and definitely be good karma for you. And part two of entering is you will copy and paste that review into an email and send it to bookshopmedia at gmail.com. And it has to be at the same time you post your review so we can verify that it is you. And then the winner will be announced on Twitter at Bookshop Media. So woot woot. check us out. And um, Tyler, you uh, you can uh, feel free to tell us all about the scent that, that they will be getting. Yeah, um, all the spell candles are 8-ounce tin soy candles and shillelagh. Is kind of a magical wood scent, is what they call it. It's, uh, it's bamboo, and it's a bright green color, and it looks really cool, and it smells great. Nice. Awesome. We are excited. And like I said, I have had nothing but good experiences with these candles, and I love them, and I have non-gamers who love them. So even if they make fantastic gifts, I will say that. They were stocking stuffers for Christmas for a lot of people for me. So Fantastic. With that being said, we are going to play D&D now. All right, so you guys are in a caravan. Alora is on her way as she is a newly accepted student into the Druid College. Woot. And Enan, he is a new detachment who is sent to Tristo to help reinforce the guard as they are in town for a special ceremony. It is, A, the time of the new initiates being accepted into the college. There is a huge ceremony around that. But also, this particular ceremony correlates with the announcement of the new high king or queen of Iridel, which is the elven kingdom which you guys reside. So is it is it just me escorting her there? Or are there other guards here? There, yeah. there are a couple other guards. This is a it's a caravan. There are several other students, some younger, some older. And there are this road has is a lot more traveled than it usually is because of the coronation ceremony that is also happening at the same time. And isn't there something about like Students only get in once in a generation. So I'm yeah, this, pretty the, well, about the, it. yeah, the, it's once a generation because of the lives of elves. They don't accept new students very often, or and the coronation is only once a generation at the same time. So we just 
slap all that together. They do. They make a big festival. They invite dignitaries from other kingdoms. So this is a rare chance for the elves to see some elves to actually see other races. Okay. And so we're just like walking along on this dusty road? Uh, well, you're more riding in wagons. He in a wagon too? Um, he would be, yes, he would be in the wagon too. Because he is essentially a rookie. A rookie. Hmm. He is a private in the army. He is not anybody in charge. So, yeah, so you guys are in similar vicinity. Sometimes you're walking, sometimes you're riding, just depends. But, yeah, he is definitely not in charge. He's not in charge. So what I'm saying is we're just kind of like bouncing along this rickety wagon. Yes, it is one of the few, well, I wouldn't say it's a few. It's just been more traveled than usually, usual. Tyler, how, how did you want to say it? Enan? Enan? Enan. I'm going to look over at Enan and be like, hey. Hey, so are you, you're a student, I guess? Yeah, this is like super awesome. I mean, not everybody gets into this college and, and dude, I made it. Like, it was, it was a lot of study, but but here I am and huh, it's going to be really cool. And, <laughs> and so, uh, so uh, is this your first time doing like guard duty stuff? Yeah, and I got... I got stuck with the students. Back when everybody was going out, there were the dignitaries from the dwarves, the humans, and I, I'm stuck with you. So, what, what anyway, students, are, man? how excited are you about this college? I'm super pumped because uh, there's going to be new things. Like, cause see, so I'm from this little tiny village, right? And it's in a woods on a mountain and I haven't been out of it much. I mean, it's a really great village. Don't get me wrong. I really like this village, but dude, I'm going to college. I'm going to learn how to be a druid, like do real cool druid stuff. I should say, I didn't hear anything you said. Oh, sad. I could have met the druids, but here I am sitting with you. I mean, I know you were talking, but. It's like, well, I mean, you're going to have a really crappy time, dude, if you just keep talking about how you hate students or whatever. What do you got against students? We're going to be those dignitaries and whatnot one day. I can take up my new guard post and I never have to see you guys again. I'll be outside watching inviting people in and everyone will see me first when they come through and I'll greet them and then they'll come in there and it'll all be disappointing from there. But mm. the impression they get at the gate will be amazing is my hope. And just for that, because you never want to see my face again, I'm going to come visit you at the gate every single day. And I'm going to show you the new druid things that I have learned. You don't know what gate I'm going to be at. I will find you. We switch gates. That's okay. I got, I got, I got, I'm going to need exercise. I can't just spend all my time inside, like just looking at druid stuff, learning how to druid it up. Okay. Well, good luck with that. Okay. Well, good luck to you too, cranky gentleman. I hope you find a most excellent somebody to guard. I'm not cranky. I'm just frustrated that I was at this time, king of the dwarves. At this time, you both start to hear a loud commotion outside. You actually hear screaming, and you recognize the sound of swords clashing. Oh, what's happening? This seems like a good opportunity for you, Miss New Druid. Yeah, I don't know how to do all that kind of stuff yet, man. Well, I know some things, but aren't you supposed to be the dude with the sword? The one who, like, leaps to adventure? I mean, swords clashing, it sounds like you're kind of a, a deal. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I was told to protect you. You, you, okay, well, thanks. You, I appreciate you it. You guys do uh, start to hear some actual screams, and Crap. Enan is being called out. I'm going to stick my head out of the tent flap. 
Okay. I, I think you should stay in here. This seems like important business. I'll handle this. <laughs> Dang. Still going to stick my head out of the... Like, after he jumps out of the wagon, I'm still going to stick my head out of the tent flap. See what's okay. Happening. Ahead, you see two of the town guard who are stationed at one of the outposts. And they are under siege by several... What look to be highwaymen or bandits. Okay. Um, where are we, like, in relation to you, these guys? You are probably about 60 to 90 feet away from them, but you can see them, and they are on the verge of being overrun. Oh, snap. Several students are cowering, and some of the guards are trying to herd them back into the wagons currently. Guards, well, I'll go back to the wagon and let um, let her know what's going on. There seems to be um, a little scuffle up ahead. It could just be for show. I know that the guard has sometimes done something like this, so I'll check it out and I'll let you know. But you hang back here. Uh, I'll let you know if we need you. I won't, but I'll let you know anyway. Okay. Well, thanks. And I'm gonna let him walk away, and then after he has walked far enough, I'm gonna jump down out of the wagon, just kind of like follow along in his wake. <laughs> okay. So he's probably, let's say, about 30 feet ahead of you. Okay. Like I said, you see two of the town guard, and then it looks to be about four men who have them pretty much outmaneuvered at this point, and they are backs against the wall. So we are going to roll initiative. Yeah, initiative. So for everyone who does not know, they are going to roll a d20 or a 20-sided die. And they are going to add a modifier that they have, which is, I believe, it is based off their dexterity. And they will actually tell me those numbers, and then I will know where in the actual order of the fight they are going to go. Because all the bad guys are also rolling, right? Yes, all the bad guys are also rolling. So, when you guys are ready, go ahead and tell me. Oh, 15. Eight. (laughs) All right, so we're going to go ahead and say... The first guard is going to... He's going to strike out at one of the bandits. One of the cornered guys? Yes, one of the cornered guys. Uh, his back is against the wall, and he has one uh, bandit right in front of him, and he is going to take a swing at him. He does a fantastic elvish maneuver, which is full of finesse. But he does connect um, and gets the guy just under the arm, and he is going to hit him but does not actually take him down because, like I said, it's more of a showy maneuver and not necessarily... These town guards will know what they're doing. And so he's... Enan is still about 30 feet ahead of me? Yes, and he's about 30 feet away from these guys. Okay, well, I see the I see what that guard does, and I'm going to yell up at, at Enan, man, you're right, they don't know what they're doing. And so, I didn't say they don't know what they're doing. This just might be some kind of show thing they're putting uh, on for all the new students. Oh, well, that's kind of cool. So you think this is just theater? And I'm still yelling this across a vast distance, well, 30 feet, but... I, I, I'm i not 100% sure, but I, I do remember telling you not to come. Well, I'm not actually there. I'm still 30 feet back this way, man. All right, well, you do you. <laughs> <laughs> so just, uh, I am rolling a d20 for their attacks just to determine how they are going to hit or if they're going to hit and it is compared to the armor class of their target. The bandit is responding to the uh, strike from the guard. He uh, does connect. Again, the guard has some armor, so he ta- it doesn't do a full, a whole lot of damage, but it does 
you can see he actually did connect with a guard and do a little bit. Now, Ian, what are you going to do in response? Okay, how many of the highwaymen are there? There are four total. Four, and one of them has been attacked, one and the them? other three are just not doing anything? Well, they are engaged. Um, they are kind of surrounding these two. They have not recognized that you are actually coming to intercept them, so their backs are all turned to you. Okay, um, well then, sort of about 30 feet away, mm -hmm. I can move 30 feet, mm -hmm. so I will um, run up to one of them, and I'm going to make an attack with my greatsword. Okay. In a very showy fashion, kind of like as if this wasn't a real fight. Okay. But I still want to do real damage. Yeah. Not like, right. Not like, I'm not like cutting off his arm or anything. Okay. So, so that is a 20, not a natural 20, just a 20. So it's, a, it, it's you, what is your modifier? I'm just curious. Plus four. Okay, so you roll a 16 and you just add yes. your plus four to hit. Okay. Oh, yeah, natural that, 20 is when you roll. Natural 20, 20 is a, it's a critical hit. So, okay, so you do connect. Okay, and that is 10 damage. 10 damage. Ooh. Okay, you definitely cut into this guy. Um, he is taking significant damage from you, and he now knows you are there, as well as to his buddies. But, Alora, you are next. Okay, well, I am going to use my entire movement to walk up uh, so that I'm basically where Ian and was before. Right. So I'm 30, within 30 feet of the guys. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to pick, uh, I mean, I don't know, I'm going to pick a bandit. Like, if there's one that's farther away from Ian and I'm going to pick that bandit. Okay. And uh, I'm going to cast the Infestation Cantrip. Okay, what does the Infestation Cantrip... And we should explain the difference between a cantrip and a spell. Okay, so a cantrip is something that's basically really easy, and I just know it off the top of my head. I can just whip it out anytime. It doesn't take any real effort, so that means it won't take up any of my spell slots. Um, and a spell slot is something your character has to essentially determine how much magic they can do. Mm -hmm. And I guess we'll talk about that more later. Yeah. But anyway, so a cantrip is just something really easy. I can do it as many times as I want, pretty much. Okay. And what does infestation do? Because this I is... cause a cloud of mites, fleas, and other parati parasites to appear momentarily on one creature that I can see within range, which is within 30 feet of me. Okay. Uh, the target must succeed on a constitution saving throw or take 1d6 poison damage. And they move five. Well, anyway, just see if you succeed. <laughs> okay. So he makes a constitution save. Yes. Against my spell DC, right? Yes. And spell DC is your wisdom. What does DC stand for? I don't remember. Defense something. I was going to say, I don't actually know what DC stands for. Tyler, do you know? <laughs> no. Oh, that's right. You haven't read the books. Never mind. No. You, you wouldn't know. I, I... Uh, direct current. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. My spell, direct, my, the electricity quotient of my spells. Um, oh, wait. My spell saved, or my spell attack oh, modifier. Um, it's difficulty class. Okay. Ah, sweet. Thanks. Spell, you want your spell DC. Okay, well, it's eight plus my proficiency bonus and my wisdom modifier. So essentially, it is eight plus two. Uh, yeah, two is my wisdom modifier and another two for my proficiency. So mm -hmm. 12. Okay. Does he make more than a 12? No, he does not. Ha ha. So he is now, well, he thinks he is covered in mites and various other onerous tiny pests. And um, 
He's going to take 1d6 of poison damage and move 5 feet in a random direction. He takes how much damage? 1d6. So hang on. Uh, one dice, one six-sided dice worth of damage. So I roll it. Aha! He's going to take 5 damage. Poison damage, if that makes a difference. Okay. Okay, and what else was that? He, uh, he let's see. So, if he can he move? I assume he can move yeah, from yeah, where they, he is. Yeah. Okay, so he's going to move five feet in a random direction um, with a speed of at least five feet. So, okay. I roll a d4. Yep. Uh, four, okay. Eh. So, I, I basically have a little table right here, and it says if I roll, like, for one for north, two for south, whatever. And anyway, he's going to move five feet north okay. of wherever he is right now. So, he is now... And he would actually move away from one of the guards, so they will... Actually, he's going to move away from Enan, five feet, which I believe does provoke opportunity attack. Okay. Because he did move out of your attack radius. Right. I'd be like, oh, I helped! Uh, 19. Oh, what? (laughs) Uh, That will hit. Yes, a 19 will hit him. Yeah, I thought it might. (laughs) Seeing as how he's there. Eight damage. Very nice. Now he is. He, she did attack the same one that you, you had hit earlier, and it is now he is really not looking good. Oh, he's still not dead. No. Dang. Uh, okay, so after that, the other guard will go, and he is just going to attack another one of these guys, and he is not going to hit because he tried to be a little too fancy. He's trying to show up the recruit that came in and did a ton of damage. Not easy to do that. Nope. <laughs> uh, now one of the bandits will attack Enan, because you are the biggest threat on the board, apparently. Okay. Uh, that will be for a wonderful... Where did you go? It's an 18. 18 hits. Okay. And... Oh, yeah, and I guess we should explain. So when we, when we pull yeah. these numbers, like... So there's an attack, like he just, like Jeff just rolled an 18 for this bandit guy. So the bandit was attacking, and um, he rolled the 20-sided dice, got an 18, and then Tyler compares that to his armor. Which armor is, well, if you have armor, you have a baseline, which I think, Tyler, you do have armor. You are wearing, what are you wearing? Chainmail. Chainmail. So chainmail gives him a base of... 16, and then he adds his dexterity modifier on top of that, which he does. So, so in actions, what's that saying is like the bandit swings at Ian, and then Ian has enough like dexterity to kind of step out of the way, and anything that does connect with him connects with his armor first, so he's not gonna like take wounds. But this one did connect, yes, so he did, he did connect, and he so did now... hit, and he does four damage, four slashing damage to Ian, okay. Uh, and then we will move on in the combat to one of the, the one that you guys ganged up on is not happy. So he is moving up to try and take on Enan. Let's see what he rolls. Uh, that will be, uh, what is that? That's a 13. So I do not. 13 does not hit. And I am going to, um, use one of my... Superiority dice to do a repost. Okay. What? What is so the superiority ex- dice? Explain superiority dice because I'm not familiar with them personally, but I do. So, know as a battlemaster, I get four superiority dice, which just um, I can use them to make extra maneuvers. So, I got three of them to start with. 
and uh, uses priority dice to use a maneuver. So repost is when a creature misses me with a melee attack, I use my reaction and a superiority die to make a melee weapon attack. Ooh, if I hit, I add the superiority die to the damage roll. Very nice. I like it. So go ahead and roll that attack. Okay. That is a 16. That does hit. Okay. So I get to add a D8 to that. 6, 12, 17, 19. Okay. You have officially... I, was it a lethal blow? No. No, okay. So because I still don't think this is a real attack. Okay. Oh, okay. So he is knocked out. You uh, will say you, you repost you, and you whack him on the head with your hilt of your great sword. Flat on his back. Kind of like, a, like a dodge and flourish kind of thing. Yeah. Come around behind him. You connected with it with the back of his head and he is he is out. I'm going to let you know, Laura is pretty impressed. She thinks I looked super awesome. But the yeah, other well, you one... should be impressed. Yeah. The other friend, he is going to come up and try and avenge his buddy. And he will not succeed. He rolled the same. So... He, uh... We are back to guard one. So many of these guys. This is actually a smaller combat for me. I'm used to having seven players around the table, so... I know, but you only have two of us, and there's, like, six bad guys. There's four bad guys and four good guys. Oh, right, I forgot about yeah. the other two dudes. He's going after the same guy he went after before. He does hit, and he's going to knock He's going to knock that one out as well. Uh, we are to Enan. There are two bad guys left. Okay, and one of them came and made an attack against me, right? Yes, he did. He is in your face. Okay, well, then I will make an attack against him. <laughs> Go for it. That is a 15. That will hit. Okay. Huzzah. For five damage. Oh, six damage. Okay. All right. He is not happy. Uh, Alora? Yes. Well, I mean, all this cool stuff is happening, and she gets she's feeling a little bit carried away. She thinks about running up, and then Alora's like, you know, she does the thing. She like kind of runs up a little bit. She's like, "Oh no, I don't know. I don't want to mess up this whole thing." So she's gonna kind of cast infestation again because she's still a little worried. Like he said, it only might be, you know, um, a play kind okay. of a thing. Who are you targeting? Um, the so there's two bandits. One's in front of Ian, and where's the other one? The other one is in front of the other guard. Okay. Uh, well, I'm gonna help the other guard because Ian kind of rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to, hang on, sorry, I'm still, still learning how to druid. Okay. So yes, I'm going to cast the infestation cantrip, and uh, you have to roll, and you got to get better than a 12. All right, so I am rolling my d20, and I'm going to add my constitution modifier. He rolled exactly 12. Ah, poop. So he so nothing happens. <laughs> nothing happens. Okay. Um... But the guard over there is going to take a swing at this guy. Uh, and he will... Let's see. Um, that is not going to hit. But he does have a second attack. So he does hit on a second attack. So that's good. And he will do a nice little bit of damage. And they're going to just have this little fight between themselves. Wait, the bandits are attacking each other now? No, the guard... Fought the bandit. The bandit's oh. fighting back, or he's trying to. 
and he does not succeed. So we go straight to the guy that's in front of Enan. He Enan. wants revenge. Revenge. Um, let me just check here. Revenge. So the one time I actually have to use the books is actually look up stats. That's the only time. Uh, and he does connect for an unnatural 20, so just uh, is a 16 plus 4 to hit, so that's 20. And he's going to do a 5 damage to you. It is bludgeoning. Boot. Okay. And then we are back around, and this guard, the other guard is going to come and help you, or try to help you. He does not succeed because they can't hit the broadside of a barn, apparently. Okay. So it's your turn, Enan. Okay. I'll make another attack against the guard in front of me. And that is a 15. That will hit. Okay. They're both ones, so I can reroll those because of great weapon fighting. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so much better. Um, <laughs> yeah. that is 9, 11. 11 damage. Very nice. Wow. <laughs> he is now hurting badly. You would say there are there are welts starting to appear on this guy. And then All right, I'll... and I'd like to I'd like to wink at him after because <laughs> I'm I'm still thinking we're both actors. Okay. In this, you find out that Enan is actually an improv <laughs> actor, not really a fighter at all. By by day he is a soldier. By night, improv. <laughs> Alora, mm-hmm. you are up. What would you like to do? And there's still two bandit dudes. There are standing. two. They are both hurting. Okay. Well, uh, I think I think we're. Well, I'm gonna run up and. No, I'm not gonna do that. I'm sorry. I'm gonna pull out my crossbow. Okay. Because I'm Take. getting a little more worried. Take a shot. I am, after all, a, a girl from a small village. <clears throat> I'm just going to try to wing him, though, because I'm still not entirely sure what's happening. All right. Uh, so your weapon okay. does have stats to tell you what your modifiers are. Ah, fudge. Well, I rolled a seven, and I get to add a plus one to hit with my crossbow. That will not hit. Dang it. Alora is doing no damage. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, guard two. Well, uh, he's got one in front of him. He's swinging at uh, he does connect to do another five, yeah, another little bit of damage. That one is on the verge. And then the guy that's in front of Enan will swing. See if he actually hits this time. Yes, he will. He will hit nicely for another five damage. Another five damage? Yep. Okay. And then we have the guard that's trying to help him. We still can't hit anything. He's really being fancy, but Enan, you're up. Okay. Well, I'm going to start by using my bonus action to second wind. So the second wind allows you to heal yourself? It's, uh, yes, it's uh, 1d10 plus my fighter level, which is 3. So, so that is 11. That's a good roll. Nice. That's a very good roll. Started as an eight. (laughs) (laughs) But still. Was not bad. So I'm going to use my action to make an attack against this guy in front of me. Yep. Or 
A nine. Ooh, that will not hit. That's your first miss. So there we go. Okay. Alora, what are you gonna do? Okay. Um, I would like to use my shillelagh cantrip, but I do not have a staff. I have a scimitar. I think is that right? Yeah. Uh, you don't have a staff at all. No, which is a terrible omission on my part. Oh, you have to use it with a staff? I, yeah, yeah, I was just trying to figure that out. Oh, it has to, Oh, man. Well, I got to rectify that. Anyway. Yeah, we can fix that. Uh, I will just shoot again with my crossbow, attempting to wing one of these dudes. Okay, which one are you aiming at? Whichever one looks worse. Okay. That's better. So I rolled 10 plus 1's 11. Yes, that will hit. Aha, finally. All right. Still trying to wing him, so non-lethally. I get... Eight damages. Okay, he's he is knocked out. How did you knock him out with a crossbow bolt? Uh, well, I so I, I drew aim and I fired with my crossbow and it like snagged him in like his cloak just above his shoulder and it was going pretty good. So it like whips him off balance and he smacks his head into a tree and just kind of crumples slowly to the earth. Okay, I'll take it. And then this guy that's trying to knock Enan out. Oh, that's a big fat eleven. Yeah, that's not gonna do it. <laughs> no, that, nope. that that that's definitely not gonna do it. So it's uh back around to these guards who we're gonna try and help you. Oh, critically failing, <laughs> meaning they rolled a flat one. They don't even look good anymore. They're just Ian, you are up. <laughs> okay, so one guy left, right? One guy left. Alright, well then I guess I'll move up and take a swing against him. Alright. All and yes, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Or a 14. That will hit. Sweet. 14 hits. Okay. Both ones. I'm going to reroll those. That's better. Eight, uh, 10 damage. All right. Alara, you are you are up. Is that guy's still standing. Barely. Uh, He's hi. dizzy. We're going to crossbow him again. Ooh, it's definitely going to hit. It's a 19 plus 1 is a 20. Yes, that will hit. Sweet. And again, non-lethally. Um, so roll to 4 plus 1 is 5 damage. All right, how did you knock this one out? Duh. Um, is, he the, is he in front of Ian? Yes, okay. he is the one that Ian just swung at. Okay, well... So I, uh, I shoot, and it doesn't actually hit the guy, but it really scares him. Like, it flew right past the deer. He was like, ha! Ah! And he, like, he kind of jerks, and the jerk, like, uh, bowls him straight into Enon, and he just knocks himself out on Enon's armor. Excellent. All right, so you are now out of initiative, just FYI. Hooray! The guards look up, Huzzah, <laughs> and they are exhausted because they did a lot of flurries and... Not a lot of damage. Not a lot of damage. But they look up at this this fighter and see this druid off in the distance holding a crossbow. And they are uh, relieved to see you, nonetheless. And they welcome you and thank you for your, for your help. Well, I'll call out to them with a great show, brothers. I definitely scared the students. As you're saying this, you're noticing one of them is actively tying up the bandits. One of the students? No, one of the guards. Oh. One of the guards is actively tying up the bandits, and they're like, 
Yeah, we'll we'll call it a show. Uh, this was you... this was rehearsed. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, when you get into town, if you could send the marshal out to collect these actors. This seems a little more in-depth than I'm used to, but I'll go with it. <laughs> um, and Alora's just like, uh, how far away is she from Enon? Uh, you would probably have been walking up by this point. All right, well, I'm just, I'm just going to walk up, up, up to him and be like, I don't think that was a show. You can always roll insight against these guys. Uh, sure, why not? So that, that, that allows you to detect if they're Ooh. lying. Uh, 19 plus, um, ooh, plus four, 23. Okay, you definitely get the sense that this was not an act. And and I'm going to look at you and be like, in fact, I am almost definitely positive this was not a show. So. Well, they wouldn't lie. They're also guards. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, is it better for them to have been, like, lying about it not being a show or for them to have just sucked at guarding? I mean... Well, you get the uh, the sense that they are hiding something from you. Hiding something aside from the fact that this was definitely not a show? Yes. They are trying to put on a brave face. What? Hmm. But they, they do ask that you, uh, well, when you get to town, to send the, the marshal out. Well, I thought they were asking Ian in that. Well, yeah. Ian and they have relayed that to him. Okay. So you guys are pretty much right out. You are about, you can see the gate of Tristo from here. Um, the caravan is now moved up. All the guards have finally rallied the students into the wagons to get them moving again. Did Enon ride in my wagon? He did. So so we're like back in the wagon. We're like, you know, like joggling along the road. And uh, I'm going to look at him and be like, you're back. I thought you didn't like me. <laughs> I was told to stay in the cart with you. Yeah. Oh, well, somebody must not like you very much then. <laughs> because you're Dang. such a treat to be with? Is that what you're saying? Uh, well, I mean, so I know I'm know a treat to be with, but... Fun to be with, so you know this is a bad assignment. <laughs> no, see, I know I'm fun to be with, but apparently you don't seem to think so. So, I mean, if somebody else knows that about you, but they still made you ride with me, then they don't like you very much. It's not the fact that I'm not fun. Would you rather have ridden with some student or the king of the dwarves? That's all I'm saying. Um, I'm sure you're fine at what you do. The crossbow you missed twice. Um, but uh, they knocked them out anyway. But <laughs> Yeah, I will um, admit, that wasn't my best crossbow day today. And I got the feeling that you tried to do something with a staff and you didn't have a staff, which really shows poor planning on your part. You are incredibly insightful, sir. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I do know. I do know some magic myself. Oh yeah, like what? I'm not being. And she's asking this in a non-sarcastic way, like she actually wants to know. It's uh, it's something I learned from a wizard back in my family. Sweet. What was it? Basically, just does damage to people who are dying, mostly. Wait, they're already dying, and you're just. They're in the process. I'm in the process of giving them the death, and then I do this to them, and it helps. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds useful, if rather unpleasant. Yeah. I mean, I'm not known for my pleasant spells. I get that's fair. I mean, Just you are this one. a fighter dude. Wait, so does that mean you know pleasant spells? No, just the one spell. Oh, okay. 
All right. Um, so you have arrived in town, and um, you are greeted by the, let's say, the town crier, and he welcomes you all. He knows some of you are students, some of you are travelers, some of you are guards. Um, says there's been a slight delay in the ceremony, but accommodations have been arranged for everyone at the local inns. Oh man. So, um, students, uh, there is an inn that is catering to the students. Um, and, uh, even some of the guards are staying there because there's just so many people here for the ceremony, but the ceremony will not begin immediately. Ah. Well, I mean, I guess I could take the time to look around the town. Thank you anyway, Mr. Town Crier, sir. <laughs> and what's Enan doing? Yeah, I was going to ask Enan, what are you, what's Enan doing? I'm just following the person I'm supposed to be protecting. Okay, so he has pretty much been told to watch over you and... Keeps... Ooh, over me? Well, you are one of the students and, you know, it's not like they let everyone in here. You did have to pass an exam to get here, so. Yeah. So, so Ian, are you just like standing there, or what are you up to? Yeah, just standing there. Okay, well, I think I'm just going to stand figure out what the next thing I need to do is for this um, show that we're putting on. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm interested in this show thing too. I'm going to stand next to you. <laughs> I do need to find the marshal. Yes. Hmm? You guys were told to find the marshal. Okay. So, so um, I, I'm going to ask the town crier, um, point me in the direction of the marshal. I I need him for um, dealing with some bandits. <laughs> Is that like air quotes? Are you yes. air quoting to the crier or getting yes. in the eye? No. Okay. Uh, he does point you to the marshal's office. He, he does also tell you that uh, you may ha- have to wait. The marshal has been abnormally busy as of late. Wait as with all the uh, the wonderful visitors. And you can tell he is not excited about all the visitors. Not excited. I think he's probably very excited. He's put on this great show. <laughs> so you do know where the, uh, the marshal's office is. Okay, well, I'm going to head that way then. And I would advise you to come with me, Alara, because I'm supposed to protect you. And okay. if you're not with me, I can't really protect you. So Okay. Well, sure. So I'm just going to try it after Ian. All right. So you come... This is all very exciting, this whole so, show business, which may or may not have... I still don't think this is a show, man. I mean, that, that was really intense. The guards wouldn't lie. So, we take an oath. As you are walking through... Well, maybe through... they're not as integrity-ishness as you are. So as you are walking through the town, you do notice that um, there are members of all the different races of the of the world some that uh you have never seen before some you recognize enan recognizes more than alora because alora is from a small much smaller village tiny tiny town so um but you also notice that there is a lack of guards in the inside the town well i mean would we is that something I would notice? Like, because I've would, always been in a tiny village. You so would, you, you, would you were raised in Mayberry, essentially. <laughs> yeah. so we you, had uh, you had one was kind of Barnaby. Enforced. No, what's his name? Barn the Barney. The Barney. We we had Barney. And then, um, but Enan, for a town this size and for so many people, 
he uh, definitely notices that there's not near the number of guards inside the town that there needs to be. Right, well, I'm gonna, um, I'll lean over to Allura then and say, you know, there really should be guards here. Even if there is a play, we still wouldn't stop. I think maybe this might not be an act. And I'm going to lean back and be like, I think you're right. I'm pretty sure. As you approach the uh, marshal's office, you do notice there is a crowd around there. Um, and you are having to force your way inside. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at Ian and be like, is this normal? I mean, is the magistrate or whoever's in charge normally this popular? No. I no. mean, most people don't really want to see the marshal. That the usually leads to bad things. Okay. So um, if you uh, you make your way inside and you you hear people whispering and, 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 and it's it's nervous whispers that you notice. Nervous whispers. So, um, yeah, something's definitely off in this town and you don't know what it is. But you, you get in the marshal and you see this, an older elf just kind of, He's, he's sitting at his desk, and he's just telling people to calm down. He'll get to them all. He just, they have to come one at a time. And he sees you two, and he's like, what, why is there a, why are you two here? You, you, you look rather young to be complaining about having to wait a couple extra days. And I'm just going to look at Ian and be like, this, this is your show, man. I don't know about that. I'm, I was sent to get you for some bandits outside oh. that are basically dead. <laughs> Mostly dead. Yeah. And he just, you can see just this sigh on his face. It's like exasperated. If it's not one thing, it's another. What, what exactly is going on here? Uh... And he looks at you, and he 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 recognizes your your uniform. He understands that you are. I see. The, at least the reinforcements have arrived. It, it's 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 good to see you. Um, he's like, I'd rather discuss this in private, um, out of out of public ears. So if you come to the back with me, I'll tell you what's going on. I'm gonna follow Ian and like. As inconspicuously okay. as possible. So there are a bunch of people in here as well, right? Yeah, but he does have a back room that he can go into. And he okay, tells... well, I'd, um, I'd like to address the crowd before we go back there. Okay. This will be good. Just, um, everything's going to be fine. Just go wait by the tavern. Um, I'll start a tab there. I will pay the bill, drink whatever you want, and Whoa. I'll get back with you later and let you guys know what's going on. Right. You were in good hands with Ian. Okay. I'm going to give Ian in the... Uh, Laura's like, whoa, dude. <laughs> That's all. People respect me for my generosity and kindness. They, yeah. you, they, they, they slowly start to leave. They look at you eyingly, but they're like... Uh, and somebody does ask for your name so they can open the tab in your name. My name is Ian in. Okay. Wink. All right. One name like Cher or Madonna. I was Ian not in. given a last name. Oh, oh, I like it. Okay, so they uh, they uh, they 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 go back. Um, they they slowly start to leave, but he takes you in the back and he uh, he looks at you and he looks at Alora and he goes, "I take it you're a a student." Yes, well, prospective student. I will be a student whenever we get around to ceremonying. Uh, hopefully, that will happen sooner than later. Yes. Uh, you may have to wait. Um. 
Well, they just said a couple of days, right? I mean, that's not bad. Uh, maybe. Maybe. So, uh, I gotta tell you, um, tension in town is kind of high. The ceremony was actually supposed to start this afternoon, but the Archdruid hasn't come back. Come back? Are you familiar with the ceremony at all, young one? No. I'm very familiar with it, but she's not, so I would go over it. So she knows. Okay, so <laughs> what you know, um, yeah, because you're from a more of a noble family, you would be much more familiar. So essentially, the Archdruid goes deep into the uh, Dream Forest, which is right outside of Dr- Tristo. Uh-oh. And he, uh, he consults the spirits to determine who should be named the next king or queen of the kingdom. And Sounds this important. Is, all correlates with the accepting of the new students of the Druid High College. Um, usually this is done within 24 hours. It has been two weeks since anyone has heard from the Archdruid. Dude, and nobody's thought to go looking for this man? Ooh. Woman? Person? I don't know, well, Druid? why do you think there's no guards in the town? Um. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's explaining that they have had to... Some guards were sent on a search party along with several of the uh, teachers from the Druid College to scout the forest to see what's going on. But as they uh, have tried to enter the forest, they have noticed that things are in the forest are not as they seem as well. Uh-oh. Um, he said, and with the town being thin on guards, um, bandits and other creatures have decided to take advantage of the situation. Other creatures, you say? Uh, orcs, goblins, things of less savory nature. Hmm. How about the regular animals? Are they still, like, regular? Um, regular in appearance, but not in manner. Mm. Um, and I asked this because my, you remember that, that d- despicable gl- or glade that I found right. near my eye? So I'm, I'm extra concerned about this. Uh, he says, I do thank you for helping with the bandits. We can't offer you much in, as far as reward, but... I can make sure that um, to get you something. How about a staff? Uh, Got any staffs around? We have plenty of staffs. Sweet. So you you now have a quarter staff. Yes. And then... uh, What about my friend here? I mean, he, to be fair, did a lot of the heavy lifting. He should totally get something. um, Well, I did hear your generous offer with the tab. Uh... I assume money is not an object for you? Um, no, my family's fairly wealthy. I'm going to build it to them. Oh. But if you'd like to take over... Um, actually, no, no, I'm going to pay it. I'm going to pay it. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, he, uh, he does hand you, you know, a small pouch of coins that does have uh, roughly uh, about uh, 20 gold in it just this is what we can offer it's a pretty goodish amount of money isn't it yeah so and he does uh he does say since the ceremony has been stalled if you two are up for it i do have one thing that you guys could help me out with of course i'm at your service uh i have a patrol i have a patrol of a one druid and two uh guards that have gone missing they have not reported in and uh I would appreciate if someone would go investigate 
what has happened. Is there anything specially special about these guys? I mean, you said you sent out, like, everyone. Well, they were particularly patrolling the forest edge, okay. trying to make sure nothing was actually invading the town. Okay. But you may want to check in at the end first. To pay this monstrous tab that I'm sure Union has racked up. That and, uh, I don't know, you might want to bath after your journey. I don't know. I'm still excited. I'm all hopped up on this, like, new student adrenaline. Hmm? So, uh, it's up to you guys what you want to do. So, I'm going to look at Ian and be like, what do you think, man? I'm going to lean into the marsh and say, just just to be clear, this is not a show, right? There is no acting going on. So, I should kill what I see. Well... Obviously, we would like to preserve life if possible, but I understand things happen in the field. I'm going to be like, I knew it, just like under my breath. I knew it. So those bandits out front, that wasn't part of some kind of... Oh, no, those those are not... Yeah, they have been harassing us for quite a while. And I've made a huge mistake, and you should go kill them. <laughs> we, kill we will... We will uh, Make sure that they are appropriately punished. It's okay, man. I think we're going to get another shot at this. We can totally kill other stuff. And you can show me that spell of, you know, not niceness that encourages the dead. The deading, right? I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, I mean, sorry. Yeah, you didn't hear that, Marshall. So um, can I count on your help? Of course. Yeah, whatever you need. I'm here. Um, I'm here. I'm out there. Wherever. I got I got nothing to do for a couple days apparently. I, I, know, I know you haven't officially started, but several of the druids who are helping are members of the college, and it would probably look pretty good on your resume if you were to rescue some of them. I was like already like down for this, but now that I might get extra credit, yeah, man, totally. All right, and that is probably where we're going to pick up next time. Dun dun dun. So, uh, so you guys are are in the town. You know that. There's a lot of bad, bad mojo going down. Bad mojo. And uh, we're going to find out how bad it really is on the next episode of Huzzah. Huzzah! Um, we want to thank Tyler for uh, joining us today. Um, Tyler, tell everybody where they can find you and your wonderful products. You can find us at Etsy at uh, D20 Inspiration. And also on Instagram at D20, I think it's at D20.inspiration. Thank you. And remember, you can find all your podcast needs at Bookshop Media. If you want to see more of Jocelyn and myself, you can find us at The Geek Renaissance. Mm -hmm. uh, we are on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter. You just take off the E on Twitter and you'll find us. The E off of Geek Renaissance because we ran out of letters, apparently. <laughs> Not the E off of Twitter, because there's no E in Twitter. There is an E in Twitter. Aw, wreck. <laughs> anyway, there guys. There is not an E at the end of Twitter. <laughs> anyway, guys. There's we an hope R you, at the end of Twitter. Yes, we do hope you enjoyed this. Jocelyn, any final words? Yes, Bookshop Media. You should totally check them out uh, like while you're checking us out, or really before checking us out, because they are the lovely, well, they, Joseph, are... <laughs> is the lovely person who is allowing us to do this or helping us do this podcast. Yep. So anyway, uh, bookshop media at bookshopmedia.com, right? Yep. And, um, he's also on Patreon. Twitter and Patreon and, but yeah, go look at him too. Cause yep. he's pretty great. 
And remember, D&D is more than just rules. Yeah. Have fun. Bye. Huzzah!